0: My name is Eric Hunley, and this is Unstructured. Unstructured is a chat with people who are changing the world around them through teaching, creating, or just living as an example. And when meeting folks, we can learn from each other, be inspired, and maybe even make a new friend together. Hey, everybody. Today, I have Jill Angie of Not Your Average Runner. It is a, a website, Facebook group podcast, um, book. It's a regular empire for non-average runners. Now, what is a non-average runner, Jill?
1: (laughs) So that is a great question. Um, So the, the people that I generally work with are women. I work almost exclusively with women, and most of them would consider themselves to be in the plus size range, I guess. So, you know, some might say overweight, everybody has a different word for what they want to use to describe their body. But I usually just say plus size because everybody knows what I mean. And they're basically women that have never really seen themselves as athletic, but they have this desire to become runners and to see what they can do. And so what I do is help them (laughs) sort of realize that dream and start running in the body that they have right now.
0: Okay. what brought you into this
1: well I sort of went through the same kind of journey as I take my clients through and I would say I think it was 2009 I found myself weighing you know close to 300 pounds and I had this friend who said hey let's do this this 60 mile walk (laughs) okay In retrospect, what the hell was I thinking? Um, But she's like, let's do this 60-mile charity walk. It was called the Breast Cancer 3-Day. And basically, you walk 20 miles a day, and in between, you sleep in a tent in a field. And you get up the next morning, and you walk 20 more miles and and so forth. So uh, I signed up to do this walk, and I really – was like, I don't know how I'm going to complete this. So I better get in shape. And so I hired a personal trainer and I was like, let's, I want to lose weight. I want to train for this walk. And so what happened was I didn't lose, I lost maybe 10 pounds. Mm. So i like, didn't actually lose all the weight that I thought I was going to lose. But by working with a trainer who really focused on body image and strength and just kind of like health at any size, mm-hmm. I learned that I was actually much more athletic than I thought I was and like really just improved my confidence and my self image and all of that stuff. And so I started realizing like, hey, I can do all of this stuff and I don't have to look like somebody on the cover of runner's world Sure, and realize that I needed to tell everybody <laughs> about this. Cause I'm like, if I don't know that you can do this, like if I had to be taught, then maybe other people have to be taught. So that's sort of where it all started.
0: So you found that you could fall in love with the process and not really worry about a specific target.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I've, I've actually been a runner on and off all my life. I probably started running, I don't, maybe in like my late twenties, but it was always like, I was like, all right, I'm going to burn, I'm going to do two miles and I'm going to burn 300 calories, which means right. I can eat. Like it was just all this big math equation. And of course it never worked. And of course I was just, I drove myself crazy. And so running was never done for the sheer joy of running. It was done as a means to an end. And so what I sort of learned was that it, you know, like running just for the sake of running was really what it was all about. And that's what made me sort of a lifetime runner rather than mm. somebody who just does it till they can get to a goal.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. It sounds like uh, running initially was punitive, essentially.
1: Yes. Punitive is a great way to put it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had to run in the military. It felt that way there, too.
1: Oh, gosh. And you probably had to run in those big, heavy boots. Too, no, right? no,
0: no. That's a misnomer. They did back in the day i would okay. if i was on a road march or something and i had to um, be what's called a road guard you know okay. stopping traffic then i would have to run in the boots for 50 feet 100 you know yards whatever okay stop the traffic and then run to catch up but the rest of the time it was hiking they really mm-hmm. don't want people running in boots because you'll break down feet and broken feet equal no soldier
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's always what I imagine, because whenever I do a race and I see like sometimes I'll do a race and there'll be just like troops of of soldiers running by and they're always wearing the combat boots. And I think how on earth (laughs) so it must be for show. Well, it it is a stunt, And
0: truthfully, a really talented runner can run in boots just as Mm -hmm. easily as tennis shoes. It's not advisable, but just the same way as people run barefoot. Uh, right. All these things can be done, as I, I'm sure you've seen.
1: It's just a terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> it,
0: it's not pleasant. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just doesn't sound like fun at all. But so
0: now, what it were you? Cool. What were you doing um, career-wise before you started all this this journey?
1: Yeah. So I, um, I mean, I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in chemistry and I also have a master's degree in quality insurance and regulatory affairs. And so I, you know, I was in the pharmaceutical industry for 20 years and oh, wow. I, yeah, I, I actually, you know, flew around the world and, uh, approved the release of different batches of biopharmaceutical drugs. So that was my job which had nothing to do with fitness. I mean, right, it was certainly right. in the health arena, but, um, yeah, I mean, I always say I had somebody else's dream job because it was pr- kind of a sweet gig, like, you know, flying first class to Tokyo to kind of take a look at manufacturing plants and so forth. Uh, but I felt like I wasn't really fulfilling my destiny. Once I, once I realized that I could help other women kind of go through the same transformation that I'd gone through, I, I just was like, I'm wasting my talents in this, in this job. And, you know, I was, it was an important job. I mean, the drugs that I worked with were for cancer. They were life saving drugs and Mm -hmm. life-changing drugs for the patients. But I just felt like there's more, I can make a difference in a different way in this Mm -hmm. world. So, uh, yeah, so I quit my job and I started a personal training studio.
0: Which is definitely a a change of pace. I I could see where (laughs) maybe the, um, Pharmaceutical sales was less personal.
1: Yeah, it was because it was, I was working with drugs that, you know, weren't necessarily related to me or to people that I knew. And so, I mean, I knew that I was helping patients for sure, but but at a distance, yeah. At a distance for sure.
0: Whereas the personal training you are dealing with them directly and, and sharing in the experience. It's just my theory on that.
1: Yeah, no, you're spot on. You're spot on.
0: Okay. So now that path, now it's interesting path because I've, I've known you now or E known you for a few years, <laughs> yeah. whatever that means. This is the first time we're actually talking to everyone. <laughs> um, but way back in the day, I don't even know if you remember this, I was working on a site called Hampton runner mm-hmm. and was reaching out and didn't know much about social media. Still don't true confession. And jill here was kind enough to just send a bunch of support my way and that really really meant a lot um the generosity you share
1: hmm. oh great you're welcome i just i love to talk about social media so i'm always Which happy I'd like to do to. that <laughs> yeah for sure let's do that
0: but let's start off with um you you wrote a book now did the book come first or did the coaching come first how how did that all work?
1: Uh, okay, so I started the personal training studio, and I was doing that for I made mean, like maybe a year and a half, and I got this idea that I was going to write a book about running, and I basically said I'm going to write a book to tell fat girls they can run. And I asked my girlfriend. I remember so clearly the moment that I decided to do it. I was at this like all day boot camp event with some girlfriends, and I said to them like Hey, if I wrote a book about you know, how, how it's okay for fat girls to start running. Do you think somebody would read that? And they all looked at me and they're like, I'd read that. And so I said, all right, I'm going to do it. And so six months later I published the book. (laughs) It was called running with curves. Why you're not too fat to run and the skinny on how to start today. And, um, that kind of changed everything because what happened was the book did astonishingly well. And, I started getting people emailing me and reaching out to me and saying, Hey, I read your book and you changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. How can I work with you? And so I started a Facebook page and a group and, and a website and just kind of started trying to co- connect with people and realize like, you know, I need to actually be coaching these folks as well. And mm-hmm. so that's sort of where it started. It started out really, really small, but I think the book was published at the end of 2013, and I think by the end of 2014, I had my coaching business established and I was starting to take clients on.
0: Wow, I think I've, that's when I first talked to you is a little bit before the yeah. book because you were one guest before me on Run Buzz.
1: Right. So that was actually <laughs> that was after the book came out. Oh, okay. Because the book is what got me noticed. Um, So I, so what happened was I, I wrote the book and then I went to a conference called fit blogging and Mm. that year it was down in Savannah and that's where I met Steve Carmichael who kind of does the run buzz podcast. And so I gave away free copies to my book to everybody at the con the conference and he read it and reached out to me and said, Hey, I'd love to have you
0: on the show. Excellent. That was about the same time. Denny started podcasting. who does Diz runs. Yep. we go way back i guess
1: yeah I guess we do we do several years
0: um, now what exactly you mentioned that you were at a boot camp but what what boot camp is it a f- um fitness boot camp or oh
1: it was um so there's this uh organization i live in philadelphia and it's called be well philly and every year they put on this like one day event where they bring in um you know they call it the, the boot camp, but they bring in like spin classes and yoga, spin instructors and yoga instructors and like all different kinds of fitness classes. And then they just have a an expo and you go for the day and you can take a bunch of classes and, and hang out. So that's, that's what I was at that day.
0: Okay. Now, one question I did have, because I've always wondered, I always thought running with curves was fantastic title and helped set everything on fire, but then you completely rebrand it. Was this due to the curves gym chain or what happened
1: it was (laughs) it was um it turns out that they're you know they have already trademarked that name and so by me using it i was kind of infringing on their territory and i absolutely would never want to do that i know if the the situation were reversed i would want somebody to change their name so they um you know they asked me to take some action to change that so i rebranded into not your average runner
0: Okay. So what was that like? Because this is interesting. I'd like to take a journey on how you built up the business with one name and and really learn, you know, how you did it and everything else. And then to run into this really big issue that this big brand that you have created, now you have to dump and then create a new one. So.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's funny that you say that because, my initial reaction when I realized I was going to have to change all of my branding was, Oh my gosh, that's it. My whole business is going to fall apart. And so I, I had a moment where I cried and maybe drank half a bottle of wine. Um,
0: Only <laughs> in the of the
1: day. I know. Well, it was, it was in the middle of the day and I still had to take the train home. So, um, But I, I kind of sat there and I'm, I'm also a life coach. And so I really just sort of coached myself through it. And I was like, you know what? Like, it's just a name. So I had built up this huge following and I had a huge email list and I mean, the book was still out there. I, I was still able to sell the book under the name, although I've recently reissued it under the not your average runner brand, but just because the name was different didn't mean that the people that I had connected with, I didn't lose that connection with them. So I, I basically just told everybody like, hey, I'm changing to a new name because I think it and it, this is absolutely true. I thought it reflected better the population of folks that I was working with, because not every woman identifies with having curves. So. So yeah, so I basically just went through. I didn't make a big fuss about it. I just said running with curves is now not your not your average runner, and it just carried on business as usual. And like, I don't think I lost. I mean, I had a couple people who said, "Oh, I like the old name better," and I was like, "Well, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that," but there's thirty eight thousand of you that are fine with the new name, so let's just <laughs> let's just move on. So yeah, I mean, after that, after that initial like because it was good it did cost me quite a bit of money to do it and so there was like a little bit of drama in my brain about oh this is going to be so expensive but that's just life right that's just being an entrepreneur and being in business so i just kind of said to myself like all right well now you learned a really good lesson and you're just going to move on
0: ironically i when you first did it i remember seeing it and i thought you were expanding your reach and treating it as curves was exclusively to women. I mean, it implied women and not your average runner could actually expand your reach to men as yeah. well who may be heavier, or feel, um, off. So I, I was surprised that I was wrong about that. Then I had to think more and I was like, Oh, I wonder if it's the name of the gym." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And,
1: but I do, I mean, I do get a lot of men. I mean, my branding is very specific to women and I've done a lot of work with branding experts to very carefully describe who my ideal client is. And then all of my marketing and all of my, you know, everything I do is written for that ideal client, which is basically me. (laughs) Right. right. Um, I like to work with women that, you know, have a similar story that I do, but, I do have a lot of men that reach out to me. They say, look, I read your book and I know it's written for girls, but it really helped me. So thank you. And I have a lot of male podcast listeners and it's not just my brother. Like I have other guys, (laughs) (laughs) my brother listens to it and he's just like, I don't understand what this is all about. I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to. (laughs) He's he's the one who always says, Oh, how did your 5k marathon go? I'm like, yeah, never mind." So, but yeah, I do, um, and I think it's important to know, like as an entrepreneur, that you're going to be really specific about who you market to and who your avatar is, but that doesn't mean that other people won't find you and get value out of your work, and I think that's kind of awesome.
0: That's awesome, too. Now, I'm a child in terms of business and branding and all this, so (laughs) back it up a step. What is an avatar? How do you build a brand? Maybe I can learn on this and get my brand built here.
1: (laughs) Well, an avatar is, um, it's it's basically a word saying that's your ideal client, right? So the women that I work with, I work with women mostly in their 40s and 50s who consider themselves to be overweight and have never really been athletic. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and very often they're women that are extremely successful in every other area of their life. And this is like the one thing, like their their weight and their fitness is the one thing they can't seem to figure out. And so that's, when I say avatar, I mean, that's, uh, avatar is basically my ideal client. And so that's okay. my avatar. And um, so all of my messaging is written for the, for the language that that woman would use because I want her to... I, there's a lot of running coaches out there. Right.
0: Right. There's
1: a lot of fitness people out there. And so if you want to stand out from the noise and have the people that are going to resonate with you, find you, you have to like know what your brand is and know like who you are. Right. So I could for sure work with guys. And I have guys ask me all the time, like, Oh, can I join your group? Oh, can I, you know, will you coach me? And I frequent frequently, I always say no, because I want to make sure my voice stays authentic to the people that I really, really get, you know, a lot of joy out of working with.
0: So it'll dilute what you're doing.
1: It kind of does. Yeah. I mean, when you when you when you allow yourself to work with whoever comes your way, you find yourself changing and modifying to cater to all different kinds of people. And like, I just want to get really, really good at working with one population of women. And that's like, I'll get better at working with them. And that's where I can make my difference because there's plenty of other people out there that work with guys. And by the way, if you know, Martinez Evans of 300 pounds and running, he has a podcast, i mean it's for everyone but he does a lot of work with with guys who are heavy okay. who are fun. so yeah so i'm like oh martinez has that all covered i just guys that come to me and say hey can i work with you i send them all to martinez
0: <laughs> okay well that's good to know yeah. now what did you do to start out to build that brand so you if you found your avatar
1: mm-hmm.
0: and had an image and what did you go about doing next
1: um, well, I basically did everything I just said not to do, <laughs> which is I, I tried to work with like everybody. Cause I just said, Oh, you know, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. And so what I've learned through trying to work with everybody is that it does dilute your brand. So once I kind of got past all of that, um, I, I worked with a business coach and, um, I worked with a branding expert to help me kind of come up with elements of my, graphic design that sort of match up with my, you know, with my personality and so forth. And, and then I just started really like developing that personality on social media and it's been evolving too. I've actually, so the the branding that I came up with when I switched over to not your average runner, I've had that for three or four years, I guess. And, um, and, the more I coach and the the more clients I take on and the more programs I launch, the more I realize my voice is changing and the difference that I want to make in the world is changing. And so my brand is evolving and I'm actually in the process of like coming up with new images and new, I actually just did a photo shoot in uh, New York city with a new photographer because I'm I'm like sort of evolving again. And I think that's important mm-hmm. to know is that, you know, your brand is going to evolve as you continue evolving as sure. a business person and an entrepreneur. And so you kind of have to keep up with that.
0: Well, it has to evolve too, or people would get off the train, right? You need to I keep mean, growing. Not necessarily. and necessarily. And I story. mean, if you look
1: at like, look at like Starbucks, for example, I mean, they pretty much have had the same logo for the past 40 years, right? Nobody's That's getting true. off that train. I am all in on that train. <laughs> um, so, their brand evolution maybe looks a little bit different. Like they're, they're, I think almost trying to be more inclusive and get the tea drinkers and the, you know, all that kind of stuff in there. So yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think people are going to leave if you don't evolve as long as your message is still resonating. I think that's what you need to kind of be continually checking in that what you're putting out there for your, for your potential clients and your actual clients is actually helping them and making a difference in their life.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, um, I guess I was incorrect. I was thinking that a lot of times you're developing yourself, you're learning over time, you're kind of a story and people are following your story and they're growing with you and learning with you. If, if you don't ever really shift, then they may not leave but maybe their attention will be slightly diverted or
1: yeah actually no i see i see what you're saying and i think for sure if you're somebody who's a coach who is basically helping people transform you need to be continually showing evidence that you're working on yourself as well so for, yeah i see your point there yeah
0: and i kind of feel like you are a bit of a, a bit of a celebrity actually or media <laughs> personality well, you I are i did
1: I did go to a race one day, and um, somebody came up to me and they said, "Hey, I know you. You're on the cover of that book." And I'm like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> so that was super fun. Um, but yeah, I don't really consider myself a celebrity. <laughs> but Mer- like, not like Myrna. You know who Myrna Valerio is, right? She's like just super amazing human. She's been like all over runners' world and women's running, and um, she was voted one of the National Geographic. Um, like outdoor adventurers and she's Mm -hmm. she's plus size and she's like you know doing this like 200 mile race and so forth so she's absolutely a celebrity and she gets recognized all over the place
0: that's cool there there are a few uh, there is starting to be um growth in the plus size exposure Mm -hmm. in the world i don't know if it's um i have a cynical side too so i kind of am like is this a genuine thing where people are opening their eyes or are these the token cases that they let through to say, Oh, look pat myself on the back. See, yeah. I did that.
1: I, I think there's some of each, but I think it's here to stay for sure. Because more and more, um, people of size, I guess you might say are showing up are, are like getting recognition. And so, like I think that the running world is just becoming more and more inclusive as a result of people standing up and saying, "Hey, I deserve to be here too."
0: Could be. I'm, I'm wondering also if um, the growth of America is helping encourage that too. Mm-hmm. Kind of like everybody relates to cancer because everybody knows somebody with yep. cancer. Exactly. Exactly. So everybody is exposed to somebody who's plus sized.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and they're probably friends with them
1: mm-hmm. yeah and
0: that's got to help
1: yeah and I just think our our whole country is going there's a lot of talk about just inclusivity of all types, not just size I mean, just like race and gender and sure. you know, all of that stuff. So I think like our whole country, even though sometimes it really doesn't look that way, <laughs> is sort of moving in the direction of being less exclusionary. And so, yeah, I think it's just gonna get better from here.
0: Well, cool. Now, um, what is your, your primary um, source of income or is it coaching or? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, 100%, full time.
0: Okay, so that's...
1: I do not have another job. <laughs> this is it.
0: Now, how, yeah. how did that come about? That, that was not overnight.
1: Um, well, I, I just quit my job one day. I quit my job in pharmaceuticals in... It was January of 2013. So I'd been doing the personal training part-time... Mm -hmm. for a year. And I said, I think I can make a go of this. So I saved up a bunch of money and I quit my job and I just, I lived off my savings while I built up my, my income on the back end.
0: It's impressive. How long did it take you to convert and actually become profitable?
1: Um, probably about three years to like actually be in a place where I could live off of that income. So yeah, I mean, but I had like, I'd saved up money to kind of Right. smooth it over. And I stopped, I mean, I'd like kind of scale back my lifestyle as well to I me mean, when I was making pharmaceutical money. I was like, there was no big deal. Like, Oh, I'll just jet off to London for the weekend or whatever. So I stopped doing that obviously. And uh, I started living a lot more frugally, but yeah, it really, it took about three years I'd say.
0: Okay. So, I mean, that's a probably good number. I I know they say if you open a restaurant, you're going to lose money for two years guaranteed.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Great. Things like that. So
1: yeah. Cause I was making a lot of investments in the business as well. And, um, and I, I mean, I guess I was in business probably for four years cause I did the first year I was doing it part-time. Um, so that was what I was doing that first year is every dollar I made when I was training part-time just went into the bank to fund myself for when I knew I was going to quit. I quit my job a year early. So I was, at the time I was married and I started doing this training thing and I said to my husband, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do it part-time for two years. And then if it seems like it's viable, I'm going to go ahead and quit my job. And he said, absolutely. And so I did it for a year and I, I had like a month off at Christmas because I'd saved up a bunch of vacation. Mm. And (laughs) I came back from that month away and I sat down at my desk and I looked around and I said, Nope. (laughs) Nope. And I went home that night and I said to my husband, I'm like, um, I'm not asking permission. I'm quitting my job tomorrow. And he just kind of looked at me and I was like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> it's going to be fine. And he did not agree, but I was like, this is what I'm doing. That had and so to cause some stress. Um, it did. Yeah. We're not married anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But I it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I quit my job. Um, actually, I became a lot happier after I quit my job, even though like it was it's very stressful being an entrepreneur. It is mm-hmm. not for the faint of heart at all. Like there are plenty of months where I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to, you know, and it, it doesn't happen anymore. But there were plenty of months where I thought, I don't know if I can pay my half of the mortgage this month or I don't know, like, where, you know, where am I going to get the money? I'm going to have to take it out of savings. Uh, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was just been the best ride of my life. So,
0: What would you say was the um, best choice that you made on the way? Or what action did you take that um, paid off the most?
1: Writing that first book did change everything for me. And I had no idea. I thought I was doing it as a whim. I also thought I was going to write the book and make money off selling the book, which absolutely was not the case. Right. First of all, it was a book for $3 and 99 cents. So, um, I had no idea that the book was going to be the way people would connect to me. And then I could create coaching programs for them that, you know, that I could like help them much more deeply than I can help them just by reading, you know, 125 page books. So like making the decision and I invested in working with a coach to help me write the book. And, um, so that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. Cause I don't think I would have written the book if I hadn't had somebody kind of guiding me a little bit. I mean, Mm -hmm. I obviously I wrote the entire thing myself, but I had help with like, okay, this is how you should structure things and so forth. Cause I wanted to write a book that was a memoir all about me. And she's like, nobody really cares about you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Teach them something
1: and help them. Right. She's like, you can write a little bit about yourself, but you have to, you know, if you want to build your business, you need to write, you know, in a way that people are going to want to work with you. So that I did. So hiring a coach, um, I think was probably the other amazing decision that I made. And I have worked with a business coach almost every year that I've been in business. I've, I've changed around a little bit. I've worked with different coaches just cause I like to have different voices in my ear. But I think that's been pretty integral to my success is always having somebody like I work with people that are where I want to be.
0: Mm, okay.
1: So, you know, I, I work with somebody whose business is, you know, a step or two or maybe 10 steps beyond mm-hmm. where I'm at, because I want them to help, you know, show me the path. Cause I think I could probably figure all this stuff out on my own, but it would take me three times as long. And I'd probably be working at a Starbucks in the meantime, not that that's necessarily a bad thing.
0: No, no, coffee, no. But still. So what was the process like writing the book? I mean, how did it break down? Did you go to a retreat and hammer away for a week? Did you go over time? What was that like? Because I'm not used to working as a coach. I've written three books, but mine was just grueling.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Was still kind of grueling. Um, it's funny. I wrote the book while I was training for a half marathon. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of fun to write a book about running while I was training for this race. I'd never done a half marathon before. And so I, I, I basically made a training plan for the book. (laughs) Like I broke it down in like, okay, uh, this many pages by this day and this many pages by this day. And then I just like made myself sit down and adhere to the schedule. And then the writing of the book took about six weeks total. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I was working as a personal trainer in my home, but it wasn't, I wasn't booked 40 hours a week. So I had plenty of free time to do that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it took about six weeks to write, and then it went through the editing process and cover design and all that. But from beginning to end, it was probably three months. Okay, well, it was super short. I mean, the book itself isn't very long, it's maybe 125 pages. So
0: that makes it approachable. Mm -hmm. What was your process then? Would you say, okay, I write from 6 a.m. or until 7 a.m., no matter what? Or how did you go about it?
1: So, yeah, so I wrote in my calendar every day when I was going to write, and then I procrastinated it until the absolute last minute. <laughs> <laughs> that was my process. So I had deadlines. I set up deadlines with my editor that I will have this many pages, this many words to you by this date. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like a weekly thing. And so I would have, I would have all the best intentions of like, I'll write for two hours on Tuesday morning and two hours on Wednesday morning and so forth. And then basically I would just do all the writing on the weekends because I would be freaking out because <laughs> I would be late. So, um, so I adhered to the training plan in that I got my stuff done. And actually, to be honest, that's kind of how I was training for the half marathon. I would procrastinate my long runs until the last minute. And then I'd be like, ah, oh, I have to go out there and run 10 miles in the dark. So,
0: <laughs> and what would you tell your athletes that were doing that now?
1: I would say, you know, you can totally train that way. It's not going to be very fun.
0: <laughs> um, do you, um, quick uh, side on that. Do you get a uh, medical clearances and things like that before you coach people?
1: Uh, I don't because I don't work. I, I certainly did with my personal training clients that I worked with one-on-one, but the type of coaching I do now is all, um, online and it's actually through you know, basically like a membership group. And so I don't provide custom training plans for anyone. Basically they just bring their issues to me. We talk about it and I give them suggestions. And a lot of the coaching that I do is more on the mental aspect of running rather than the physical. So a lot of what I do is remind folks, like if you've got this injury, I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose it. Like I can give you some ideas on what it might be. I need you to go to your specialist to get this figured out.
0: Okay. I'd be terrified of that <laughs> just because really? um i i would definitely want a clearance because it's so easy for me to say okay if you seem to be doing better you may want to hey, go and you can bump up your run a little bit like 10 percent, and then they twist their ankle band or it was a stress fracture they didn't get cared mm-hmm. for and i just told them and enabled them to really harm themselves i i, I fear that kind of thing
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I, I give those suggestions and then the thing that I always say is always listen to your body. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm never saying you have to go out and do this. I give strong suggestions, but it always comes with a, always listen to your body. And if there's any pain, please go see your doctor.
0: Okay. I guess I deal with personalities like mine, which uh, (laughs) they uh, don't necessarily listen to their body. Okay. Going to gut it out they're really wanting to try and get that BQ. Oh
1: my gosh. Yeah. I I, like, I don't really work with a population of runners that are trying to qualify for Boston. Right. At all. I mean, like most of mine are brand new and they've never even done a five K before. And so that sort of, I mean, it's, I think it's just a little bit different. And I also work with women who I think are a lot more likely. I mean, this is total gender.
0: um, Women follow directions. Generals,
1: But yeah, like if I say rest tomorrow, they'll be like, okay, I'll rest. And Mm -hmm. if I say, don't run through pain, they'll say, all right, I won't run through pain. I think women are just really good at listening to their bodies.
0: Yeah. And, and instruction. Yeah. Believe it. Don't want to go too far down the path, but when I was in the military, I found out from uh, all the range officials that women consistently were better shooters. And the reason was they would follow directions. <laughs> All the males are competitive, especially in that young age bracket. Testosterone is mm-hmm. very high for young men eighteen to you know twenty something years old. And they really weren't listening to anybody. They knew what they were doing.
1: That's awesome.
0: <laughs> so I, I found that, too, when coaching, um, women usually are very, pretty good about following to the letter, sometimes to the detriment, though, because if I say, okay, well, it's going to be uh, five miles at such and such pace, they get that exactly in. It's like, well, if you are hurting, stop. Yeah. It's okay. Because women are it,
1: pleasers. <laughs>
0: It, it can yeah. be but it, but I, you know i have to take that responsibility and i know talking to um lucha who was in episode two mm-hmm. he did lead man and is the co-host of endurance planet he coaches all the way up to olympians okay and he really really you know has to be careful with women as well because they are super hard chargers okay super yeah. type a and he <laughs> He has mentioned that, you know, they're hardcore. Um, Yeah. I don't know if you know about the recent Moab, I believe it is a 200 mile race
1: Mm -hmm.
0: was won by a female all. Awesome. And that's all gender. She won by two hours, I believe.
1: Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And I think for long distance running, women do tend to excel at that more than like they like men are really good at the shorter distances and by yes. shorter distance you mean like i mean marathon and shorter and women are good sure. like when you get to that and i i do think part of it is just an ability to kind of adapt and like listen to their body but also not get all wrapped up in their head yes. about stuff
0: yes and, no it's uh, it's yeah. been proven out uh, the longer the race the um tighter the margin gets yeah. So awesome. in a marathon, I think the average is at least 10% to 12% men dominate, you know, mm-hmm. and they perform that much better. But as you get longer and longer and longer, it starts to get down, 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 yeah. down. And then now you have ultras where women are winning outright. I think Pam yeah. Reed has done it a few times. She yeah, she has maybe one Badwater even.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. It's pretty amazing.
0: Super so I fun. think that's cool. But I think there's something to that in the sense that all the sports were designed by men for men. Mm-hmm. And maybe we need to step back and, and look at some of these and say, hmm, what if we really look at how the sport is designed and at the capabilities and create more things that are like the ultra run where you really don't know? Yeah. I mean, think I about love it. that idea. You know, men are beating horses for crying out loud.
1: That's true, wow that's kind of incredible
0: hundred mile that, races men can beat a horse
1: because the because the man can just outrun the horse it's, like like literally the horse can't run that long, right, yeah.
0: We're perfectly designed running machine. Um yeah. you have to reborn well, to run if you haven't. You
1: know? Yeah, I was just gonna say, like that's I mean isn't that the whole premise of that is that like we we evolved to just like run long, slow distances so that we could tire out our prey. Mm-hmm.
0: And persistence hunting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Love that. But so uh, women are exceptionally good at persistence hunting.
0: <laughs> yeah, they really are. Yeah. I think it has to do with childbirth and things like that. The endurance yeah. that you have to yeah. um, deal with. Yeah. But we also um, don't run outright for an extended period of time. Like when you're doing a hundred mile run, mm-hmm. nobody runs for a hundred miles. Maybe there's a machine who does well actually yeah, there is one. He did it on a track, it's sick, but hundred miles at a seven twenty six pace. Yeah. Which is just nauseating. But um <laughs> in general ultra running speeds you're going to find are in the 15 16 minute mile range and it's running here hiking up the hill walking here running walking running and that's actually what we're designed to do
1: yeah agreed agreed and one of the things i mean almost all of the clients i work with do sort of a run walk interval approach Mm And, and a lot of them struggle with that mentally because they think, oh, if I'm gonna be a real runner, I have to run all the time. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's like actually the human body responds well to that running and walking and run, like those intervals of rest. Yes. And like you can go farther and faster very often if you take that approach and figure out the right ratio of running to walking. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it's fascinating and like it's just evolution.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and um, we have the Olympian. I. Who I think Jeff he, Galloway. Oh well, yeah, that's his um, run walk program. But I mean, there oh, is okay. Olympic um, speed walking. Oh yeah, and speed they walking
1: are, is hard.
0: <laughs> right, they're doing like a marathon distance in sub three hours. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, it's impressive, which is
0: very fast.
1: Yeah, um, I, I like speed walking is I think harder than running, like because you have to maintain contact. Right, one of your feet has to be contacting the ground at all times, so it requires like so much more like brute muscle power i think than running which kind of you get to use like that springy you know you get to use your joints the springing of your joints a little bit more with running where with speed walking like it's it requires some major strength
0: (laughs) i would like to try this but i will never do it in public but skipping
1: oh i make my clients do that all the time
0: (laughs) but for an extended distance i kind of wonder what the efficiency is on that because i feel like you really are loading and it's a very efficient movement um, Mm -hmm. without a lot of effort yeah but i don't know
1: i think skipping is hard because it's like a little explosive movement with every step
0: really i I don't know it depends on how hard you're you're stretching or reaching if you're lightly doing it yeah
1: maybe yeah you
0: know the momentum itself kind of just (laughs) carries on anyway interesting thought experiment digress (laughs) Hey, that's why this is called unstructured.
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: <laughs> Came up with the idea because I could, well, I could go against your business model, which is I talk to everyone who does all kinds of different things and I'm sort of the anti niche.
1: Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> but that's still a niche, I think, right? Like, I, I, kind you know, of like, like, like you think about that show, um, how it's made. Have you ever watched that show? i haven't no okay so i don't know if it's discovery or whatever but basically it's a show about how things are made and there's no rhyme or reason that i can tell to what they have on the show they just show how different things are manufactured so it's kind of like their niche is process process yeah exactly so i i mean i think it's i think that in and of itself if you're saying you just i mean you talk to people kind of like about how their businesses are structured. Um, in your case businesses okay (laughs) i'm always scanning for patterns
0: no um there is a sort of pattern i guess but like um lucho i mentioned Mm -hmm. a lot of his is how do you survive how do you he um won lead man and set the record now you've heard of leadville right Mm -hmm. that's one of the events in lead man (laughs) so you have to add the other uh 50 mile bike race and the marathon and the 10k, um, the 100 mile foot race, and more within a two, I think it was a six week period.
1: That's a lot.
0: Oh, it's incredible. And he won mm-hmm. it and shaved several hours. You know, he set the record. And Amazing. How do you survive that? How do you survive Iron Man? How do you, you know, so that yeah. was kind of my angle on that was. Yeah. And then I spoke to a brain expert, Ginny um, Aguilar. Okay. And she picked up hers by her son being injured, having concussions. He had like three events in a relatively short time, within a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And she helped him heal. There isn't a lot of medical stuff. Out, so that was sort of brain again, but in a different, it was just kind of
1: right, whatever yeah. interests me. That's awesome. That's your niche.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Kind of is. I get to play and talk to cool people, man. That's
1: good. I think that's amazing. (laughs) Sounds like the perfect job.
0: (laughs) So back to where we were leaving off. Um, Okay. So you, you wrote the book, you hired the coach and we got the process and you've talked about having business coaches. What, What is that like? I mean,
1: Yeah. So my, um, my book coach actually turned out to be my business coach as well. My first one, but what I've done is basically joined a variety of masterminds where, you know, there's the structure that I'm, that I've experienced is there's one person who's the coach who's kind of, like I said, several steps away from where I want to be. And there's a, you know, several other people that are kind of in the same group and the coach sort of leads each person through building their own individual business based on the goals that they have and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's just a, it's mostly done online, although there's certainly some in-person aspects to it, but yeah, that's kind of what it is. So it's like a a sort of a mastermind type of
0: what is a mastermind?
1: You know, a mastermind is, there's a bunch of, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to define it. The way I, the way I've experienced it is there's somebody who's a master and -hmm. they kind of share their mind with you. Like they give you their advice to help you get where you want to be faster.
0: Okay. So, um, kind of like a hands-on training situation with a specific target or goal in mind. Like if you're going to, let's say class, they're just teaching mm-hmm. you business theory, but this, I'm guessing right, they're yeah. teaching you how to work with what you have to right. make it. Work. Is, is that the difference? Or?
1: Yeah. For example, the one that I'm in right now. Um, so I joined it. I, I was about, a, I went for about a year without working with a coach because I wanted to just figure out what I wanted to do next. And uh, the one that I'm in right now, I've been there for about a month. And the first thing that happened was my coach and I sat down and reviewed, you know, my revenue from the last year, what I want my revenue to be for the next year, what products I have on offer right now and what it's going to take to get me to my next revenue goal. And then we kind of created an offering that I felt really excited about that, you know, I wanted to launch and all of my stuff is online as well. And so we kind of like came up with a bunch of ideas and then like, I just sit down and get to work creating it all. And then I've got her to bounce questions off of and, okay, I want to do a webinar to promote it or, you know, I want to do this kind of promotion. And so that's, that's sort of like how that works. And then along the lines of, you know, classes, like you mentioned, I mean, it's not like I'm going to university, but she provides a lot of training on different aspects of being an online entrepreneur. So like, this is how you do Facebook ads. This is how you, you know, write sales copy. This is how you do a sales call, like that kind of stuff.
0: Okay. And you're in it with other people. Are you um, mm-hmm. all like in an online session at the same time and, and, so, and learning from what she's telling other people too, or how, how's that
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, I have some private meetings with her and then there are some where it's, uh, she calls it like office hours and we all just, you know, we're all kind of on a zoom call at the same time. And, um, you know, whoever's got a question can ask it. And very often where, I mean, we're all that are in her group are in a similar place in our businesses. Uh-huh. So we often have similar questions. So somebody else, like, For example, um, this week somebody gave a webinar and they had some tech problems in the beginning and that resulted in them not getting as much attendance on the webinar Hmm. as they wanted. And so we kind of talked about that and I thought, oh, you know, I've had tech problems in the past on webinars. Like this is something I really want to pay attention to so that I can avoid it in the future.
0: Okay, And now do you. um, Is it kind of like a a team type of situation, too, where um, each of you is kind of throwing your support behind? all the others that are in the mastermind? I mean, is yeah, it? Yeah, for like sure. A-
1: yeah. Like, like sometimes, uh, somebody will say, okay, like I wrote up a new sales page. Can you guys take a look at it and make sure that the copy makes sense? And we're all familiar with, with what each other's niches are. So everybody in, in my mastermind has a totally different niche than I do. Uh-huh. Um, you know, some of them work with, uh, one woman sells, Actually, some of them are in the same space, but like a different sport. So one of one of the women manufactures and sells bikes for overweight people. So they're, they're, oh, the bikes wow. are like a little more structurally. Um, yes, Zyze bikes, Z-I-Z-E, if anybody's listening is interested. Cool. Um, yeah, Zyze bikes. And uh, it, so it's like, it's everybody's got sort of a different business but we're all sort of familiar with what each other is doing too.
0: Okay, well, and it's cool. That's complimentary though. So I imagine you throw some of your audience her way. Oh, because, absolutely. <laughs> and and the reverse. So Yeah. yeah you sure. both are at a certain level and your uh, mm-hmm. your um audiences combined Right. Are, is and is that part of the whole principle guiding
1: Yes and no. I mean, there's no expectation that I'll put my, her people in front of my audience and vice versa, but, um, it just sort of happens organically and she only works with women and she handpicks everybody that she works with too. So to make sure that we're all kind of a good fit to get along with each other. So I think that, you know, like I'm just, you know, how I am, I'm just like, Oh, I know this thing. I'll tell you everything about it. Like I'm sort of, I just always want to help people. So that's kind of how I approach it. And I think, um, my coach sort of tries to pick people that have that similar right. way of working.
0: Have Have you found though, um, by that, by giving like that, you wind up doing better anyway. I mean, just by sharing, it's just goodwill and it tends to come yeah, back around.
1: Just good karma. Yeah, for sure. And I, I just like, it's not even like I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to do this because they might help me out. Like I just generally, genuinely enjoy Sure. Sharing what I know in hopes that it might help somebody, which I think, which is why I'm a coach in the first place. Otherwise I'd still be back in pharma. Um, yeah. Like I just, I genuinely want people to like, if I can help you do something better, like I'm all about it. Like I, I just want everyone to succeed.
0: (laughs) Well, you're sincere.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But that comes through. I mean, if, if you're helping people to achieve a goal, Mm -hmm. people know. Yeah. It, you know, it'll tell you're like, uh, Oh, okay. That's, that's what, that's what you're all about. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So now take somebody like a, a lone podcaster who's brand new to the business and wants to set up an empire like yours. Where, where would you say they should start?
1: Um, Well, I guess it depends what their end goal is. I love that. I love the idea of thinking like I'm going to set up an empire and like keeping that out there as the goal. (laughs) But like you got to have sort of like laser like focus on one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just decide, make a decision on what's the one thing you're going to go all in on and then go for it. Right And master it and then kind of expand from there. So I would say, like don't try to build all the little pieces in that empire at once. build mm-hmm. like get really good, build one tower, and then move on to the next tower.
0: Okay, so somebody's starting off, um, and we'll just keep using the podcast example because mm-hmm. I'm selfish. What would be the first thing you would tell them to do? I mean, obviously, release a podcast is a really good start. And um, practice your craft. So got that part.
1: Right. Okay. So if they want the podcast to be successful, I would say the first thing they want to do is reach out to other podcasts Mm -hmm. and ask to be a guest. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like leverage other people's audiences and like, get yourself known so that you can get more people coming back to you or more people to listen. And then, you know, just be like super generous with what you teach on your podcast if you want to make money off of it, I would say you always need to be like, have a call to action at the end of every podcast. So like, for example, with my podcast, I always invite them to come back to my website for something free that they can download. And sometimes it's like, um, a training plan very soon. I'm going to be giving away my book for free. And so everybody on the podcast, I'm just going to say, Hey, head back to my website. You could download my book for free. And so that's kind of how you build, following and that's how you get people, you know, to, you know, to like know you want people to know who you are and then like you and then trust you in a podcast is actually an amazing way to do that because they listen to your podcast. They know who you are. They start to like you. If they keep listening to it, if they take your advice and it works, then they're going to start trusting you. Mm -hmm. And so from there, you know, you're inviting them to join your mailing list or, you know, sometimes I'll say, Hey, go on over and follow me on Instagram. Cause I'm doing some really silly stuff over there and you might want to be a part of that. But I would say, focus on one thing and just go all in on it. if it's building your email list off the podcast, do that. If it's building your Facebook. And honestly, like a Facebook following, I don't think is actually all that um, lucrative because you kind of have to run ads to get, to get anywhere on Facebook anyway. But um, you know, if, if it's, you, if you want to build it into a business, you need people who are, who are there and interested in buying from you. And so you kind of always want to be like having a call to action at the end of every podcast and give them really, and have one, you don't want like five calls to okay, action.
0: I was wondering. People, that.
1: Yeah. Like I actually have two in mind and they're working really well. One of them is for them to join my Facebook community. And then the other one is to download the free training plan. Um, but it's, I don't know. That's probably not the best way to, I never have more than two because I do think it gets really, really confusing and you kind of have to like switch it up over time too, because I've got plenty of folks that have been listening to the podcast from the beginning and they're like, yeah, 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 I know. I can join your free Facebook community. Right? So you want to make sure that you offer different things as well.
0: Now you mentioned about Facebook not being good, but you just mentioned the Facebook community. So is that a a different thing than using the group versus uh, your page? yeah,
1: so, the group, because people have opted into the group and it's something they participate in, Facebook's more likely to show those posts. Um, a group is sort of more of a private community where, like, if you have a Facebook page, I don't like, I'd say like 10% of the people that like my Facebook page, and there's like 30,000 people that like that Facebook page, probably less than 10% of them actually see my individual posts because. Mm-hmm. Facebook doesn't want Facebook wants businesses to spend money to get their content in front of people,
0: the algorithms.
1: Yeah. And I'm like more than I like Facebook's got one of the best databases. Like my people are on Facebook and they're on Instagram. I have no problem paying Facebook to put my content in front of them. But I like when people think, Oh, I'm going to pay Facebook to get people to like my page I like, that's a waste of money, (laughs) make an ad and like have Facebook put that in front of the right people.
0: Okay. I think I've found that out in the past. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you do recommend the groups though. Like I know I have the unstructured yeah. group, everybody, so make sure mm-hmm. you check it out. Yes. And I I actually enjoy the group because I engage in it all the time and yeah. talk with people.
1: Yeah, and it's a great place to find out what your ideal, what your avatar is saying, right? So I I use my group all the time to say like Hey, what do you guys want to hear on the podcast or what's bothering you? What's, what are you struggling with? What can I help you with? And then I can do Facebook lives in my group and like interact with people that way. So yeah, I mean, Facebook groups are kind of awesome.
0: Okay. And you mentioned a mailing list. Is that a, a big deal to have?
1: Yeah. So I think the mailing list is probably way more critical than a Facebook or an Instagram or a Twitter or anything like that, because here's the thing, like Facebook can go away tomorrow. Mm -hmm. right and who knows it might right Instagram could go away tomorrow if you have somebody's email address you have a way to communicate with them
0: Uh, that makes sense Mm -hmm. so how do you work that call of action and
1: so for me I I ask people to head over to my website and get a free download and they have to enter their email address to get the free download
0: ah okay Thus, the book so that's exactly
1: yeah, I mean, and I like my freebies to be very enticing.
0: Well, <laughs> like, worthwhile. Like
1: yeah, they're giving me their personal information. I want to make sure that I'm giving them something of of enough value for that.
0: That's awesome. And yeah. have you kept growing over these years um, using this method? And,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've got about 10,000 email addresses on my list right now. So, And that's actually kind of a small list for <sighs> some people. <laughs> but it's working well, for me.
0: Well, you have, I mean, you're hanging around with some big name peers in your masterminds and stuff. So yeah, it's kind of, I guess, a perspective thing.
1: Yeah. My goal is to always be the smallest business in the room. (laughs) Okay. So I'm like constantly like finding bigger and more successful um, entrepreneurs to hang out with because I just want to keep, you know, I want to keep being pulled forward.
0: And how, how has your growth been over the years? I mean, is it like year over year doubling or 20 percent—how how how is that working i'm trying
1: to think so for the first few years i doubled year after year but i started out by making ten thousand dollars the first year so it really wasn't very hard to double that um so the past couple years my growth has been more like 20 to 30 percent but i've also it's partly because i've been like Not sure like what kinds of things I want to offer and I've really sort of figured that out this year I'm like really rock-solid clear on the direction that I want not your average runner to go And so this year, I think I'm poised to probably triple last year's income.
0: Oh, wow. So it's a, a big jump Yes. Now is this all just coaching or is it merch or um
1: I don't yeah. do any merch anymore. And that was, I, cause honestly, like merchandise feels really fun because people, you know, like when people buy a t-shirt, you're like, yeah, I sold the t-shirt. I'm like, wow, I just made $2 profit.
0: <laughs> right. And
1: also it's really hard work. It's a lot of like logistical work and packing things and, and you know, mailing things and keeping track of tiny little payments. So like that's certainly one way to go. I don't think that's where I excel. So all of my work is, You know, either the only merchandise I sell right now is the book, obviously. And Amazon takes care of that for me. Yeah. So it's all coaching. I'm sorry. Can you hear my cat? Yeah. (laughs) She, I I fed her to within an inch of her life before this interview thinking like maybe she'd just go and like sleep in a little temptations treat coma, but she's back. She,
0: She wants to see what mommy's doing
1: this is her active time of night and serious the thing if i'd shut the door to my office she'd be outside like flinging herself at it yeah so sorry about that
0: (laughs) that's fine i have two cats and they're fun
1: yeah she's a good she's a good egg she's going to be a year old on the 29th of april so she's still a kitten
0: okay so um what is um, next for you or what can you reveal or is it top secret information?
1: Um, no, I can totally reveal it. Uh, so I'm actually putting together my own mastermind and it's not wondering. a business. Yeah. It's not a business mastermind. Um, it's the rebel runner mastermind and it's, it's going to be sort of a, for women who want to run their first half marathon and lose fifty or more pounds and become like a total badass, it's like a one year program where we just get all of that done. So I'm like going all in on my clients to mm. like really help them achieve just spectacular results. So it's gonna be a small, I'm probably not gonna take more than 30 women in the group versus, you know, the the membership group that I have where I, I have less one-on-one time with them. I have a lot more people in that group. Uh, But this it's, it's basically going to be a mastermind where it's just a a fairly small group of women. We're going to meet in person three times a year at a race. And, you know, they're going to, they're each going to do a half marathon and I'm going to work with them on weight loss. And I'm just going to work with them on confidence and body image and all of that stuff that comes along with being a plus size woman in this day and age. So, yeah.
0: Now, uh, are you um, in the back of your mind using this as a potential recruiting opportunity to scale? To and, scale.
1: I'm not sure what you mean.
0: Well, there's only one of you.
1: Oh, I see. Like, if I want to have, like, branches. I. You know what? I do have this vision in my mind of having <laughs> little chapters of Not Your Average Runner around the country. Um I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't think that the mastermind will expand into that, but the membership group that I have, which is, uh, like a hundred dollars a month to join. And then they get, you know, calls with me every week. Um, that might expand into local, into local markets. So I probably will be taking, like, I just did like a little meetup for my, um, my New York city clients last week I was in New York city. And so I said, Hey, I rented some space, got some snacks and like, let's all hang out and get together. So I will probably be doing that. And that will definitely, it will be a chance for me to meet my clients and for them to have fun Mm -hmm. um, and meet the community, but also a chance for me to talk about the mastermind that I've created.
0: Cool. So you'll be able to take the show on the road. Yes. Literally get, get back to your traveling.
1: Yeah exactly I know I kind of miss the traveling
0: do you uh, I haven't
1: been to London in five years and I'm dying <laughs> I'm I, just dying
0: <laughs> well there you go you have to set yeah. up a London meetup and then it's a tax write-off
1: I do yeah
0: <laughs> do you ever uh, use this as an opportunity to do public speaking or seminars or anything of that sort or those are um, your plans
1: yeah, I, I kind of would love to get into that, but like I said, this, like I follow this premise of like, do one thing, do it really well, and then you can start something else. So mm-hmm. at some point, I think public speaking is probably in the cards for me, but I haven't done a lot of it. I've done like a couple gigs here and there. I'm actually doing a book signing at my local, uh, Barnes and Noble in a couple weeks because the not your average runner is in, is in stores. So, uh, so I guess that's kind of sort of public speaking. I don't know. I'll probably do a reading there or something, but how's it uh, going?
0: Is it still selling really well or? uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, it relaunched in January. So I actually haven't talked to my publisher about what the numbers are, but I'm getting a lot of people like in the book. I invite people of course to join my mailing list and Mm. um, so I'm getting quite a few people who are uh, finding, you know, reading the book and then joining my Facebook group or joining my list as a result. So I think it's selling pretty well.
0: So you're not self published then? No, no. Oh, okay. Were you yeah. to begin with, or
1: no? Nope, I was not. I have always had a publisher.
0: Oh wow. Um, yeah. You pitched it to them, and
1: mm-hmm. I did.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I'm wondering. I mean, it's
1: a very small publisher. It was called the Difference Press, and right. so I pitched it uh, the idea, and um, and it came with a book coach. So it's like an uh-huh. interesting bis- business model. Um, but yeah, I've like I've always had a publisher. Wow, that's. I know, but right now, so now I'm all my books, I'm switching them over from the Difference Press to uh, a New York publishing house called Morgan James. And that. so the first one has been moved over, and then Not Your Average 5K probably next year will become part of their portfolio, and then Not Your Average Half Marathon after that.
0: Okay. I'm guessing yeah. it's a bigger publisher because that's the route we're going.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a much bigger publisher for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because they've uh, they, originally my books were only available on Amazon. Um, and, uh, they were, I think they were available online at Barnes and Noble, but they weren't carried in stores, but now they're being carried in the
0: stores. It's a big step. Super fun. Yeah. I remember when um, my first book came out, the best moment in the world was to walk in the store and see my book on the shelf.
1: I know it's, it was a good moment.
0: <laughs> and I might've walked around the shelf a few dozen times on yeah. a couple other trips too.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe I actually I took the so I found a few copies on the shelf. I took them up to the front desk of desk of Barnes and Noble and said, I'm the author. Would you like me to sign these? And they were like, of course. And they whipped out a pen and they whipped out these little stickers that said autograph copy. And they're like, here, why don't you go ahead and autograph them? And then they put the stickers on them and they put them up like in the front window. Of oh, course, cool like-
0: they displayed them. Yeah, nice. they did.
1: I thought, wow, that was, uh, they didn't have to do that. That was awesome. Yeah.
0: That is awesome. I, I know um, some authors are really cool. They'll like um, stealth sign their books in airports.
1: Ah, I would like, totally do that.
0: Oh, come on. It'd be awesome.
1: Yeah. Just carry those autograph copy stickers around in your.
0: But no, make sure you have your, a ID turf. with you or you might yeah. get yelled at. Stop. Yeah. Don't write I, in that book. Don't write in the books. Yeah. <laughs> so fun.
1: But yeah, it was, it was like a really exciting moment. And it's funny because I, I I mean, I do a lot of what I do because I enjoy it and I'm good at it and I want to help, um, other people like myself, but, uh, both my parents have passed away and my mom was somebody who always struggled with her weight and with her fitness. And like every time I see my book in a bookstore or every time, you know, I read a review or something, I just think like how proud she would have been. And so that's like a little extra incentive for me is just like, like realizing the legacy that I'm leaving is something that my whole family is like, would be really, really proud of and feel good about. So.
0: That's really awesome. Yeah.
1: I even named my LLC after my mom. So.
0: (laughs) why not? Totally appropriate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was appropriate to honor her like that.
0: So how many books do you have out now? Uh, three, three. Okay. Another one in the works or
1: I, you know, people keep asking me to write, not your average triathlon, but I'm like, I, I got other stuff to do right now. I will write that book at some point.
0: (laughs) Well, you're focusing on your new podcast. You're, um, what, 15 episodes in now?
1: Um, I think I am. Yeah. I think today was episode number 15 that we're as we're recording so yeah 15 episodes in it's going really really well oh, good! I, I feel like I was born to podcast I'm I just sit there in my closet with my can of LaCroix <laughs> I just like talk at the microphone it's just so much fun awesome
0: you do a really nice job talking though um, I noticed that right away you don't have a ton of verbal ticks. you mm. you hold a very nice thought stream Without circling around. So you're yeah. a natural at speaking. Oh, thank on you.
1: I write, I write out a script for myself and then I okay. immediately go off script, but like, at least I have a plan so okay. that, and I use a teleprompter when I podcast.
0: Oh, do you? I, was I do. So I that. have
1: a script. Um, I think it's called prompt smart. And so basically I write up the script and then I convert it into, you know, the little teleprompter thing. And then I have my iPad in front of me Okay. and then it basically, it it's voice activated and so as I'm talking, it scrolls. Oh and then, wow. Yeah, it's really sweet. It was like, I don't know, fifteen or twenty dollars. It was a really cheap app. I mean, for what it does, it's kind of amazing.
0: Yeah, what is that what is that called again?
1: I think it's called Prompt Smart.
0: Prompt Smart? Okay.
1: Yeah. I don't have my iPad in front of me, but Prompt Smart is the name of it. And I can send you the link for the show notes if you want.
0: Yeah, please do. Because I think that's something that people can use. Um mm-hmm. I the whole idea of talking continuously for an extended period of time is excruciating and i don't like reading scripts because it sounds like i'm reading so that would be interesting Uh, to find out yeah i don't even like bumpers
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right well I, i mean what i have found with it is that it i mean it scrolls along as i'm talking but like i can go off script which I I frequently do, like I'll, I'll you know, I'll be like reading and then I'll think, oh, I should really be saying this other thing too. So, but it catches and it knows when I've gone off script and it just waits patiently. And then when I start getting back on script, it starts scrolling again.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. And it's
1: really, it's really a cool app.
0: Oh, I'm definitely going to check it out. But yeah. on that note, do you actually write out every sentence or do you like, I'll write kind of an outline. No, I write out every sentence. OK,
1: I know I've tried the outline thing and um, and then I get way off topic because I will mm. just start talking and then I'll do exactly what you said. Like, will I won't circle back around and I'll get lost and I'll have to like stop. And then I'll have to leave a note for my podcast producer to say, OK, Pavel, <laughs> ignore the last five minutes. I'm going to start that section over again. So I've just learned to like write out every sentence. And then when I go off script, it's not that hard to bring myself back.
0: Do you rehearse? Or do you and just do not go? Rehearse.
1: No. I like type it all out. I don't read through it. I just type it all out sort of like stream of consciousness. Um, and then convert it and sit down and record.
0: That's awesome. You... So that's
1: probably why it sounds more natural, is because I don't rehearse it or anything like that.
0: Okay. Well it's still to not sound like you're reading, you're you're doing a great yeah. job.
1: Oh, I mean, thank you. You really are. <laughs> it's my little secret weapon. Oh, I'm seeing your I read the whole podcast.
0: <laughs> have you read your books?
1: You mean like, have I done an audio version of them? You should. I know I, I should do that.
0: <laughs> I mean, very seriously, especially yeah. with your audience who can listen to your book while they run.
1: No. Yeah. This is so fun. Cause they all listen to my podcast when I'm running. They love it.
0: Exactly. So they
1: write to me and they're just like, did you know we're best friends now? I'm like, okay, that's awesome. <laughs>
0: Well, you've got a lot of friends to keep up with.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, an audiobook is definitely in the works. I just have to uh, figure out the best way to make that happen.
0: Okay, well, yeah. you're a natural. You're already uh, getting the practice in to do uh-huh, it.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a short book, too, so it shouldn't take too long.
0: <laughs> a blessing.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: Well, on that note, we need to, I guess we'll wrap it up. Um, do you have any any questions that you wanted me to ask that I might have forgotten?
1: No, I think we covered everything. This was a good chat. Well, thank good you. to catch up with you, yeah. So thank you for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure.
0: All right, and everybody can find you at notyouraveragerunner.com.
1: Yep, and then on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Not Your Average runner or, um, Instagram, my handle is at not your average runner. It's all very clever.
0: Well, consistent. <laughs> and,
1: um, yeah. And if you go to my website, um, you can find the, the membership group that I talked about. It's called run your best life. And that's sort of where run coaching meets life coaching. And that's awesome. just sort of a monthly, um, group that's super fun. And then, uh, yeah, if you, uh, if you go to my website and, and join my mailing list, you'll find out when I launch the mastermind, which is going to be amazing.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking your time out and coming on here.
1: Uh, thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: I look forward to following your progress in the future.
1: <laughs> I'm sure I'll be all over Facebook, so it'll be hard to miss.
0: <laughs> well Thanks again.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Eric.
0: Hey everyone, Eric here. I want to thank you again so much for listening. I know your time is valuable, so I really appreciate you taking some. If you like what you hear, please spread the word. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Unstructured P, as in podcast. Also, you can review the podcast in whichever app you use. It really helps a bunch to spread the word. Thanks again.